Welcome to Nutritionista, the official podcast about all aspects of nutrition with an in-depth view into women's health. We focus on nutrition for every stage of life, as well as body liberation, healthy eating at every size, eating to nourish and fuel your bodies, and working through health challenges with education and inspiration. We'll help you to walk away from the diet culture and understand the biochemical mechanisms behind disease and illness. Your hosts are Megan Hayes and Rani McCudden. Megan is an award-winning clinical nutritionist, biochemist, personal trainer and postpartum doula with a master's in both women's health medicine and reproductive medicine. With 12 years of experience teaching, training and supporting women and their families, her passion lies within the field of hormonal health, menstruation, fertility, birth control and pregnancy, whilst empowering and supporting women through postpartum and beyond. Rani McCudden is a chef and nutritionist from the Central Coast, New South Wales. She has an advanced diploma in nutritional medicine and is in her final year of a Bachelor of Clinical Nutrition. She also holds a diploma of practice management and is a physio-based Pilates instructor. She is passionate about sharing her love and creativity with food as well as the importance of nutrition with her clients. She also runs a small hobby farm and leads a paddock-to-plate approach to life. Join us here weekly to talk to other specialists and wellbeing advocates in the fields of women's and family health, parenting, fitness and wellbeing, all from the comfort of your own home, car or wherever in the world you may be. We're thrilled to share this time with you. And welcome to today's podcast. I am Megan Hayes and I'm joined by the wonderful Rani McCutton. Thank you so much, Megan. I get so excited to do these with you each week. It's like my only social event, really. So Yeah, wonderful lockdowns are great. Today's going to be a banger. What we're going to talk about today is, first of all, the amazing um, ebook that we shared in the online community, the Nutritionista community. So if you haven't downloaded your copy, make sure to do so. If you're not in there, keep listening right to the end and we'll tell you exactly how to get in there so you can download your copy. Um, so in regards to that amazing ebook that we've shared with everyone in there, we wanted to talk more about how to feed fussy children. Um, we wanted to share all of these tips, not only what's in the ebook, but just to hear it from the mouth of mums at the same time. Um, I do want to reiterate that there's a massive difference between feeding fussy children and having like a food aversion, so sensory processing disorders and food related issues as such with children on the spectrum. So whether it's autism, Asperger's, all those kind of things, uh, we're not going to talk about those today as that's far more complex and we'll get into that another day. Um, but today we just want to talk more with um, parents and just general fussy eating that kind of comes and goes over the, over a child's growth and development. So in talking about fussy eating, most parents, I speak for many, um, that we all go through it. Some children you might not notice it at all and then others it's just like <laughs> one after the other and we'll just get there with yeah. their degrees of fussiness. Um, even as nutritionists, we go through this with our own children. Our children aren't superhuman, uh, unfortunately. Um, it would be great if they were, but 
yes I've got four and I've got two that are kind of kind of difficult to work with sometimes and the other two are pretty easy and we'll eat whatever you put in front of them how about yourself Rani yeah, I'm the same. My my two amazing eaters are now incredibly fussy eaters. So I've just I've just done a complete turnaround. And then my fussy eater when he was a toddler is now eating absolutely everything. So you just can't you can't pick it, you know. Yeah, you really. And can't. it's like you know it's like a tie and it comes and goes. Absolutely. So I always find like the first tip when my kids um, are starting to sort of develop this fussy eating patterns and, and pushing back a little bit more on me is I just don't react because sometimes I feel like they're just looking for the attention. It's often part boredom. And I find that those toddler years are generally a period of development where they are learning their own independence. Yeah. So they do start to push those boundaries naturally. So have you found this as well with your toddlers? Oh, absolutely. So Sadie's three now and she will still eat everything you generally put in front of her, but she's trying every night time now like, oh, I don't like that. But yeah, crazy. she's eaten the same thing two days ago and loved it and had yeah. three serves. So, yeah, oh, fun. you just can't pick it, can you? Because a lot of us the same. And like, I mean, she has food allergies, so I have to be very careful with what we feed her. But, um, you know, one week she's eating a, nearly a kilo of hummus and the next week she's like, oh, it's not my favourite food today, Mum. <laughs> I just can't win. <laughs> you can, you can. But, you know, it's the main thing is it's normal and it's a normal part of the childhood development sort of stage. Yeah. So things like refusing to try new foods, like flavours or textures, it's all part of their natural food development. Yeah. So it's not always linked to a behavioural issue which most of us start to think in the back of our heads, oh, you know, they're avoiding food, what's going on, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's also often linked to things like filling up on just random snacks outside mealtime. So I know at the moment, especially with lockdown, my kids are in and out of the pantry, like, I don't know, like <laughs> flies in summer. Yes. <laughs> Like asking, asking for a snack and I swear, like, I'll make them a really nice breakfast and then 10 o'clock they're like, Mum, I need a snack. I need a snack. I'm still hungry. Like, if I had a dollar for every time I heard <laughs> I need a snack during the day, like, oh, my gosh, I would be an absolute millionaire. But the yeah. thing is, like, you have to kind of have a look at are we hindering you know, their natural eating patterns and contributing to that mealtime fussiness because they're not exactly hungry when they get to the next meal. Yeah, they're just looking for something to get preoccupied with instead of doing their schoolwork or what yeah. they need to do. Yes, yeah, exactly. You know, that's it. Yeah. So most of us being busy parents, I get it. I don't even know why I have doors in my fridge and my cupboards right now because exactly that. With four kids homeschooling, someone's always in something and it's driving me bananas. So what we've done, we've put together some awesome hints and tips to make your life just that little bit easier when it comes to feeding those growing bodies. So one of the things that I find is making mealtime like a family affair. So I always try and find, like, if I include my kids with the meal planning part of the week, they tend to eat a lot better. So I always ask at least one of the kids every night, I mean, we have six kids, so there's only one night left off for me to choose, um, to try and choose a meal or a cuisine or come up with an idea. So they also feel included and in control of their own choices as well. Yeah. So, yeah, most food avoidance, as we mentioned before, it's due to asserting independence. So in our house, we generally do like a family-style serve-yourself kind of dinner. 
Um, that way they can pick what kind of protein they want, the vegetables and carbohydrates. So they do have that element of like independence um, on a pasta night. I mean, we have food allergies as well. So I generally make different types of things every night and then it's repurposed the next day into lunches and that kind of thing. So for example, like on our pasta night, I'll put all the sauces separately. So that way the kids can kind of pick and choose obviously Lola can't have dairy so she'll have like a bolognese and the other kids often go for like a carbonara or something like that um and then they have like a salad that they have to eat so they kind of select their own little thing yeah. mini kind of like do you remember Sizzler <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes Sizzler yes yeah. I think that's still one on the golf so like every night yeah I'm putting yeah I feel like every night I'm putting together like a mini Sizzler kind of selection for them buffet. and I find it really works <laughs> It does sometimes. I absolutely agree. I just find sometimes that they, my kids anyway, grow to expect that. And if they just get a plate in front of them, they're like, oh. <laughs> so, yes. where's, where's the buffing, mom? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I fully agree on having that open discussion with children, usually at the dinner table that night on, okay, it's your turn to tell me what to cook tomorrow night. What do you feel like? And usually it will just be yeah, exactly some cuisine or I feel like pasta or I'd like this or... I'd like that. And then we can usually put a generally a healthier spin on what they're asking. Obviously, I'm not making McDonald's, but we can have a family bag and I. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I guess staying calm is absolutely paramount because it is really, really easy for um, people to kind of lose their shiz. And that's definitely not what we want, especially when it comes to teenagers and toddlers in my house. I've got the best of both worlds. But I really don't want to start associating that fear and frustration with meal times, as it can very easily blow out of proportions for everyone and just create yeah. a disaster. It can be really difficult, especially after a long day. So if you've got children in long daycare or children homeschooling, which is so much fun, or parents just working, it feels like five different jobs to keep everything happening. And it can be really hard on children that are really hypersensitive and mm. they can very quickly automate those associated meal times with anxiety and anger if they're finding those situations every single day. So my steps are to calmly just ask them what's wrong, what they don't like about it. If it's a sensory child, they'll point out that it's to this or it's to that, and you can kind of go from there. But generally reassuring them that it's okay not to like things, I just generally get them to have just a few spoonfuls and then you can tell me what you still don't like about it or does it taste better or does it taste worse. Just open that conversation yeah. with them and let them have their say and it's really important for them to be heard. It's also important for them to have a full belly worth of energy. So sometimes it's about picking battles. I also like to minimize attention-seeking behaviors regarding those food aversions. So some children will throw a tantrum and will need that special meal made for that I wouldn't say extra attention but something as a backup so if you're absolutely yeah. strapped you can always just give them a sandwich or a wrap yeah or even leftovers from yesterday or something just so there's something on the go or a couple of loose balls or whatever it is just to get them going through yeah no I definitely agree and like one of the other things I've found with my kids is I take them grocery shopping so that they can actually see 
what's out there and say, well, why don't you pick a fruit? Let's try something we've not seen before. So it kind of includes them as well. Um, we generally try and focus mostly on the fruit and vegetable section or like the meat. We don't kind of go down the lolly aisle and say, choose what you want. <laughs> Let's try this today. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then we say, okay, so we've, we've chosen this. It's, what is this? It's watermelon. Let's, let's sort of Google some recipes and we'll see what we can make that's interesting with watermelon. And it kind of gets them involved as well. Yep, exactly. Yep, we like to do the same. And it's really good to teach them, I guess, and let them see, in a sense, seasonal foods. So in winter, no, you can't yeah. have summer fruits available on hand. So today we're talking about things like exactly that. So if you went there, there yeah. would be root vegetables and then picking something they like and throwing a few ideas out there. Great idea. That yeah, one. That, that's right. But like, and even if you're not an expert in the kitchen, you can Google recipes or if you're in our community, just reach out and send Megan and I a message because we're always happy to offer advice and recipe ideas as well. My next hint would be all around shapes and textures. So when introducing those new fruits and vegetables, try and get as creative as possible. We have a drawer that's full of crazy things, I like to call it. So cookie cutters in all different shapes. They can even be like repurposed from your Play-Doh drawer. Um, it's all yeah. about kind of making food fun. So if they're trying a new fruit or... I, my youngest loves apples and then she went off apples but we got her back on apples by cutting <laughs> silly shapes out of it and she chose a gingerbread men so we were just doing that and covering them in almond butter and she was happy with them so yeah. when they're eating those foods just open that conversation about texture like oh do you think this is crunchy do you think this carrot's crunchy or is a carrot soft and generally it will get them to actually take that bite to then answer that question yeah and then ask them silly questions if we're talking about toddlers too, like what would it taste like if it was cut into a star? And get, yeah. get kind of just getting a little bit creative with what they're doing. And if they have those few extra mouthfuls, great. Getting them yeah. involved is so much fun and it's a lot more imposing for younger children. Obviously, that's not for raw meats or teenagers because no. they're going to look at you like you're growing a third head. But anyway, no. <laughs> um, mixing up the texture. So frozen peas and peas still in the pod. So get open that discussion. So cooked potato versus mashed potato. I know in your house too, you like to make score charts and getting them involved by rating what they like yeah. and what they don't like, which is a great suggestion. Yeah. Pass to play is a game that we used to play when all my children were toddlers. In my house, it works better for a lunchtime meal because it's kind of easier to clean that up instead of worrying about it yeah. at night time. But feel free to adapt it to yours. So cook up a few different types of pastas. Usually, if you open the pantry and you notice that you've got odds and ends here anyway, this is perfect yeah. for that. And let them experiment with the texture. So it could have fettuccine, could have spaghetti, penne, spirals, whatever's in there. So... Toddlers, it's great for those gross motor skills too, like grabbing and all those kind of yeah. things and getting them to make up their own toppings. So if you let them put some frozen peas in there, oh, I hate frozen peas, but <laughs> a lot of people love those. Um, grated cheese, anything that they can kind of find in a cupboard or the fridge, they can pop on yeah. it and try. Usually butter or olive oil is a fun thing for them to play with at the same time. Yeah, they're on little master chef moments. Yeah, exactly. And if you've got little chef costumes for them to dress up in in the kitchen too, they just feel that little bit more in control and it turns to play and you've got a better chance of them actually eating. 
Yeah. We actually, we have some little chef costumes we got from Ikea. So if anyone's looking for a chef costume, I think they're about $5. And there's a little hat and apron. Oh, that's so cute. So as I mentioned before, I'm an absolute shocker for this because we have six kids, but we tend to eat that family style. We have a few different dishes on the table, um, obviously because of food allergies and things. So I often make a variety of different things. Um, it's easier said than done, but being inclusive with the planning will definitely help. Um if you can cook only one whole meal for the family, it does set a precedent that every night there'll be, there won't be the buffet. So I've definitely set myself up for failure here and I totally admit it. Um, but it is different when you're dealing with food allergies and things like that. But if you can start really early, having even just two to three meals with the whole family having it, so the pasta. I mean, we generally try and kind of spend like, it's like meat and vegetables or it's pasta and a sauce or it's salad fish, that kind of thing. Um, So, you know, when you start to sort of saying, okay, well, you're going to have chicken nuggets instead of the pasta with everyone else, it kind of sets that precedent that it's going to happen every every time it's on offer. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, like once they hit four and five, they should be able to consume what everyone else is kind of eating. Exactly. So meat and three veg can be a little boring if it's the same kind of thing night after night. I entirely get that. And if cooking isn't your forte, so reach out to, for example, our online community and we're always more than happy to help and people are always going to throw their amazing suggestions out there. So exactly like with yourself having more that buffet style, I think that's incredible. That's something we could do in our family, but I would generally stick with the Friday, Saturday, Sunday night kind of food where I have a little bit more time to get that done in that meal yeah. time instead of something quick. So it's always great to get other people's I wouldn't say opinions, but more just just open that discussion and see exactly what they're doing. Exactly. And that's the beauty of that community of women that we have is that we are the village. So obviously we're not right next door to each other and we're not a physical village, but we're a virtual village and not everyone has the skills to discover those new foods. So it's great to share information with each other. So I know most of us grew up on that meat and three veg vegetable household but it's great to be inspired and discover those new recipes as well. So rotating meals and offering different styles, cuisines, and even flavors will lead to a better and more well-developed palate on a child and getting them to open up and try new things and not having the same kind of three meals on rotation every single week, which I know a few of us grew up on and it wasn't ideal. And absolutely, I get it. Meal planning is hard. And it's probably the last thing you want to do after a super long day is kind of just arguing with children and hubby about yeah. what's for dinner and then opening the <laughs> fridge to find not much there because, yeah, hindsight, yeah. yes, <laughs> it's not ideal. So another really fun thing that I find to do, and this is completely sort of inspired by Instagram, is like little food platters. So I love being creative in the kitchen and I probably do have a bit of time and I do food photography. So I like taking photos of these things, but rearranging food in like, like dinosaurs or making platters. So my kids love on a Saturday morning, like a smoked salmon avocado breakfast plate. And it sounds really decadent, but it takes me like five minutes to throw together with things out of the fridge and they literally devour the entire thing. So it doesn't even have to be just, you know, like a, a structured, beautiful cheese platter type thing. It can be anything at all, like some yum cha, different vegetables, all that kind of stuff. So you don't have to be an artist. Just pop it down, put it on a chopping board, 
let the kids even do it themselves and, and arrange it how they want to eat it. So, and like that's how I managed to get my kids to eat smoked salmon and avocado after months and months of attempting it on their own. And then once they tried it, they were absolutely hooked and in love. And <laughs> smoked salmon is like one of the most consumed foods, I think, at the moment. Yum, yum. <laughs> introducing those new foods when they're hungry is also hugely important i've found so refraining from feeding them like calorie rich nutrition poor snacks during the yeah. afternoon can kind of be the thorn in our side so sometimes you just want them to be quiet and <laughs> here have something yeah. to eat and i gotta get this finished and then we can get dinner ready and so forth however it's those foods that are filling them up and it can be harder to get them to try those new foods if they've kind of got a semi-full belly and they can yeah. say no to a few more things. But it's really, really important to not give up. You've got it. It can, and studies have shown that it can take up to 10 times of exposure to a certain food before they're even willing to have more than a mouthful. It might take a few tries yeah. to even get it in their mouth, but don't give up and don't stop offering yeah. those foods I often find I have a few clients that come into clinic and their children have a very limited diet only because they just didn't want to eat them when they were toddlers so they just stopped giving it to them and then it's really yeah. hard to kind of reintroduce that even when they're teenagers so yeah it can be really really difficult so it's also worth noting to be realistic with what you're offering for some families doing a buffet style is impossible and I get that yeah. But just because we were forced foods like Brussels sprouts and peas for myself as children and you weren't allowed to leave the table until everything was finished, so it kind of yeah. sets up that fear that we have around certain foods yeah. now. Um, but starting simple and not overcomplicating them is a great way to do it. So in terms of, for example, Brussels sprouts, hugely underrated vegetable now. However, when we were fed them when we were younger, they were very stodgy green things that were overcooked and no wonder they tasted terrible. But oh, they were oil with the last, nothing yeah, left in them. Yeah, they were not great. However, there are some amazing ways to cook. I often say to clients, too, it's not the food that you dislike. It was generally the way that it was prepared that you may have disliked. So... As yeah. adults, we can you can find recipes anywhere these days. You can jump onto the community. You can jump onto Google. You can even just type in the word into Google and it'll spit out so many great ideas that have generally been rated and ranked so you can try them for yourself. Um, I love Brussels sprouts. Hated them as a child. Still hate peas, but yeah. that's a story for a different day. It's the one thing I, I don't sprouts. eat. Oh. <laughs> So in Klein, I see so many parents who struggle with getting their children to eat those new foods, and that's okay. However, most of those children, when I'm working with children, pediatric cases, they're naturally zinc deficient. And it's no surprise because the foods that are naturally high in zinc, they dislike. In a nutshell, children with optimum levels of zinc those nutrient-dense foods that you're trying to feed them and introduce them to become more appealing. So children that are deficient in zinc will generally not find those foods appealing. It's all in the taste buds. Mm -hmm. As our zinc levels deplete, so foods generally lose their taste and aroma, and it makes them seem far less desirable in the eyes of a toddler or a fussy child. So... Zinc is helpful to those fussy eaters who have strong perceptions on food and taste 
and it can also increase their appetite. We can talk about gut health another day, but that's exactly where it's all connected. And having optimum zinc levels makes nutritious foods more appealing. They're going to eat more and that vicious cycle isn't going to continue. Saying that also zinc deficiencies can further influence those negative moods. So zinc is essential to the entire nervous system and having a zinc deficiency is linked to feeling depressed and anxious. So it's no surprise that it's a vital nutrient when we're treating those conditions. And just to reiterate, if you haven't heard me rant about zinc before, it's most commonly found in red meat and oysters. So it can also be found in smaller amounts in eggs and nuts and seeds, especially sunflower seeds, which are my fave at the moment. And if you're eating those things daily, amazing. If you're not, just to note, you could be at a risk of that deficiency. So looking at what a child's eating, that's generally where you will find those deficiencies. That's right. So my last little tip is just serve the food in small portions. Um, Your kids can always come back and ask for more. And I know my children as well, they find large portions to be very overwhelming. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining Megan and I this week. Um, We look forward to discussing next week with you. We haven't just chosen next week topic, have we? No, I don't think we have. We can always put it out to the group and see what's up. Yes, if anyone wants us to talk about anything, send it through to our socials and we'll put it together for you soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really hope that you each got something valuable out of this episode and we can't wait to hear what you think of it. Please, please make sure you hit subscribe in the Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you can listen to the latest episodes that we release weekly. As we're totally independent with this podcast, we really do rely on your subscriptions, reviews, and your shares to spread the word. If you have any questions, please join our Facebook group. It's totally free, and we love getting into conversations with you all there. All you need to do is search for Nutritionista Community. If you want to read our blogs or would like to continue your health and wellness journeys with us, you can visit myself at www.nutritionista.com.au and you can see Rani over at www.cutrockcottage that's C-U-T-R-O-C-K cutrockcottage.com.au Until then, see you next time.